Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. As we breathe, we draw your spirit into our bodies. As we exhale, we release and surrender, opening our hearts and minds to your word. May we hear the right word for the living of our day. Amen. I have to confess, I was not looking forward to speaking about hope today. I have been living very difficult days during COVID. And the last thing that's been on my heart and mind has been a feeling of hope. In fact, I've been feeling rather hopeless. It's also the days are getting shorter and darkness seems to surround us everywhere. And don't forget the snow this week, the dark clouds and the snow. It's November and we know what's coming. The days are shorter and the darkness more evident. And then as you watch the news this past week, whether it is in the newspaper or on television, the flooding in British Columbia, the deaths of individuals and animals, and the wreckage of roads is despairing. And then, of course, the climate change conference in Scotland and the news coming out of it being rather hopeless. This week, I stepped into Safeway and all the produce was gone. A sign, just a quick sign of potential food insecurity. And then many conversations I've had with different individuals about their families as Christmas approaches and division within their family about COVID vaccines and they're fearful and anxious about coming of Christmas. And then being part of two funerals in our community, one, uh, the death of Cheryl and Daryl's grandson at the age of 20 to cancer, standing in a cool, dark, gray church in Okotoks. There was no hope. It was sadness, it was raw, it was deep grief indeed. And then hearing about the death again of Laura and Todd Hughes, a niece, Crystal. Here she is, a young woman in her 40s with, with two young kids because her husband died five years ago, going to that funeral as well. Are you feeling why I feel a sense of hopelessness right now? Are you kind of saying, come on, John, pick it up, pick it up, move on. I just got to tell you, these days I wish that I worked at 7-Eleven. There's something about a quiet job, just you and things that feel about right right now. But I know working at 7-Eleven is much harder than being a minister. And then, friends, and then spiritual nurture came on Monday evening. As we step into the Advent journey, we're looking at activating hope this week. And I heard that night a quote by Parker Palmer, a, a writer, theologian, and sociologist who gave me a nice kick in the butt as we move into Advent. He writes, of all the virtues, hope is one of the most needed in our time. When people ask me how I stay hopeful in an era of widespread darkness, I answer people this way. Hope keeps me alive and creatively engaged with the world. When privileged people like me choose hopelessness over hope, it's not a reflection on the state of the world, it's a reflection on the state of our souls. If I were to lose hope and turn to cynicism, what would I do? 
sit in a corner, stare at the wall and suck my thumb. When people like me allow ourselves to become hopeless, when there's, no, when there's so much we can do for those who truly suffer, we need to remind ourselves that opting out is not a fit way for a grown-up to live. Opting out is not a grown-up way to live. These words and this quote on hope by Parker Palmer were a, a kick in the butt, a nudge to say, it's privileged to be hopeless. You need to step into hope. Activating hope, activating peace, joy, and love is the theme of our Monday night session. And so as we explored what hope was, we realized as a community that hope is a choice. Hope is a verb. Hope is activated. We actually are called as people of faith to choose hope. And I'm reminded that, yes, there's a lot to be depressed about right now in our individual and personal and corporate and global lives. It can feel incredibly overwhelming, and we do just want to sit there and suck our thumb in the corner. But Parker Palmer reminds us we're called to grow up and step up and step into hope. As people of faith, we are called and invited to choose hope. So what does it mean to choose hope? I just want you to know, I'm not talking about let's be happy, clappy, Pollyanna, pretend the world doesn't suck and things aren't bad. In fact, that's the completely opposite because I believe hope is deeply grounded in suffering, in sorrow, and in struggle. And it is in the sorrow and the struggle, these are the seeds of which hope is born. Suffering and sadness are the seeds of hope, I believe. And when I think about some of the most hopeful people I know in the world, they are not people who have escaped or bypassed struggle. They are the ones who have faced it, stepped in it, swam in it, and have stepped out on a new land and a new way of being hope. Because people embody hope in their lives, and the struggling and the struggle are the seeds of their hope. Activating hope for me means that we actually are consciously choosing to step and look and move with our body into the world of hope. So what does it look like? For me, it's an outside and an inside job. Hope, choosing hope is yes, looking out at the world, but also looking into our soul. First, let's look outside. You know, when I thought about it, where do I see hope these days? I was out reading, as I do, the Globe and Mail. Uh, about 10 days ago, I came across an article about the Climate Justice Conference in Scotland. And whose names would I see but two people who live right here in our Hillhurst community, uh, Joe, the father, and Sadie Vipon, people from our community who were at the event in Scotland. Now, I'd seen Joe many times, usually at protests, whether it was for the Green Line or the 215 uh, graves found in Kamloops or the anti-racism um, solidarity rally or COVID masks uh, rally. There are many places I've seen him active in the world and he has deeply influenced his beautiful daughter, Sadie, who with her wisdom and her compassion stepped into Scotland because she cares about the planet. Sadie's a high school student with a deep desire to make change in the world. She's someone who's not given up, someone who's choosing hope in the world. She's a person who has a light and a bright light for the future. She's the Greta for our city in my mind as she looks at future Friday protests. 
Have a look at the interview as I had a conversation with her this week. Don't you see in her brightness and her passion and her commitment, this willingness to choose hope, to step into hope, to say hope matters. It comes by looking at our world and the difficulty and the darkness of all the climate crisis and saying, despite this, I step and choose hope, choosing hope on Fridays and indeed every day. The second outside hope that I saw this week was in a funeral. Yes, you heard me right, in a funeral. Yes, I was aware of the deaths of two people in our community. Cheryl and Daryl's grandson died 20 years of age, and Ann and I went to the funeral and stood amongst the hundreds of people to hear about cancer cutting a life short. It was hard to hear people find the right words to name the tragedy of this. No one said that God did this. No one said that God's heart wasn't broken. No one said God's tears were the first to fall, but that's deeply what I believe. I believe when struggle and challenge comes into our life, God's tears are the first to fall. God's heart is the first to break. And that solidarity and the sorrow and sadness of life needs to be named and needs to be proclaimed. And then I went to a funeral that I led uh, in Cochrane this week for the Hughes family. As I drove out there on Tuesday, it was when the black clouds came and the snow was coming down and I was going about 40 kilometers an hour on Crow Child Trail. Trust me, I was in a hopeless state as I was stepping in to lead a funeral for a 43-year-old mom. Her husband died five years ago and here she was leaving two young boys. In that service, I named the feeling of anger and shock and numbness and fear and sadness and yes, joy of life. Crystal was her name and she had a philosophy of life. It was very simple, be kind and be respectful. And I said to the family, it is living the philosophy of the ones who have died that we honor them and they remain present to us in our living. In that service, uh, of course, technology broke. As we sat there waiting for the tribute video, people were rummaging, it was nervous, people were coughing, it was awkward. And, and suddenly, Crystal's sister stepped up to the mic and she said, my sister has died. And I know that if she was here right now, she'd tell you a joke. She said, I don't have a joke, but I'm gonna dance for you. And she stepped to the side and she did a beautiful Irish jig. Here she was at the funeral of her sister and she found it within her to step on the stage and to dance. Have a look at this short video. When I asked for this video, Todd Hughes typed me back in an email. He said, this was a dance of hope. Todd writes, the brokenhearted dancing for hope and remembering love. Isn't that beautiful? Out of this darkness, out of this sadness, out of this suffering, steps up a sister, the brokenhearted dancing for hope and remembering love. You see, it is from our grief and our sorrow when we find a way to step up and to dance that we dance hope and we dance love in the world. That dance will be in my mind and heart always. 
And finally, the outside job of this is, uh, has been, funnily enough, uh, Netflix or Apple TV, if you're lucky enough to have it. I was walking in the dog park this morning and chatting with one of the guys I walk with, and he said to me, Netflix has saved us in the pandemic. Yes, I know it's privileged to have television, and yes, watch Netflix. But he said, Netflix has saved us because it gave us a chance to be together with others and to escape the reality of the pandemic. It's kind of like holding the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, or the Bible in one hand and the iPhone in the other, or Netflix in one hand and the Bible in the other. And the story that speaks most truly to me during this pandemic has been Ted Lasso. I don't know if you've heard about Ted Lasso. People kept telling me, have you seen Ted Lasso yet? Have you seen it? Finally, I watched Ted Lasso. And for me, Ted Lasso is a Christ figure. Yes, you heard me say, he is a Christ figure. What he embodies is the image of Christ and how he lives. You see, Ted is the most unlikely character. He's an American chosen to teach or to coach a soccer team in England. He knows nothing about the game. And he's hired by a woman who wants to kill the team to get back at her husband who has divorced her. And she hopes that Ted, by his incompetence, will have the team lose and ultimately fold. But you see, Ted, with his incessant positivity and hopefulness and view of the world, cannot be defeated. The night before a game, he's sitting in a pub, and I love watching these stories in the small pubs in England. Ted says, you're acting like we lost the game already. Why don't you have a little hope? And the others reply earnestly and defeatedly, haven't you lived here long enough to realize it's hope that kills you? Hope that kills you. You can just see Ted's mind swirling. Hope killing you? How is that possible? Because you see with Ted Lasso, in his locker room, he has pasted on the wall right before his office, one word, office, one word, and the word is believe. Believe. Believe is a very similar word to hope for Ted Lasso. You see, Ted believes in Lasso in the most crazy of circumstances. Here he is stepping into the field where everybody hates him. They're calling out wanker, wanker, wanker. He has no idea what that means. You can Google it to find out. He's living in this awful place where people hate him and think he's a dork, as well as personally watching his marriage break. I wept through that one. Watching his marriage break, he has this incessant hope that there's potential and possibility, seeing that crater in his own personal life. His belief and his hope right there, never giving up. This is the Christ figure, and this is him. You see, for Ted, Hope transforms people. Hope moves them from negativity to positivity. It moves us from our ego to spirit, from despair to hope, to fake to real, and from fear to trust. Ted embodies hope. Watch this clip right now. Here it is. After they have lost the game, he gathers his troops in the change room, and you'll see this very short video about how he views miracles. Did you see how Ted invites them to see the importance of hope? 
He tells them, there are worse things out there than being sad, and that is being alone and sad. Without skipping a beat, he said, there ain't nobody in this room who's alone. There ain't nobody in this room who's alone. Well, I got to tell you this, this day, whichever room you're in right now, no one online is alone. No one is alone. You know, the first line in our United Church Creed is this, we are not alone. We are not alone. You see, that reminder is so important because someone's walked where you've walked. Someone knows the sorrow you know. Someone knows the struggle you know. And we are indeed not alone. If we truly hear with our ears and our heart, we are not alone. My friend Kirk from high school, I said, I'm doing a Ted Lasso sermon. And he immediately texted me these beautiful words. And I want to read what he said. Ted's motto is believe. It's synonymous with the word hope. It's a sign he puts at his office doorway. Belief is synonymous with hope. Believe in yourself, your team, your family, your friends, maybe even a higher power. Because you believe in any one of those things, you are saying that you, they, we, will still come through whatever obstacles lie in our path in the present. You see, hope is what inspires us into those obstacles, through those obstacles to the other side. And the Christian tradition is to say we don't go around the cross, we go to the cross with the trust that through our death, resurrection will come. Kirk concludes, Ted says, I do love uh, locker rooms. They smell like potential. And Kirk writes, to the untrained nose, it might smell like sweat socks. So we're glad Ted is here to clear up that confusion. Locker rooms smell like potential. That's what hope looks like. So you see these outward signs of hope are important, whether it's Sadie, a young person who's stepping into the climate crisis with Future Fridays, or whether it's Crystal's sister who gets up and dances, the brokenhearted dancing for hope, and remembering love, or whether it's Ted Lasso's philosophy simply to believe and choose hope. These are outside sources that inspire me and get me out of the corner sucking my thumb to step up and stand into the world and choose and proclaim hope. These are the outside sources, but there are inside sources, and that inside source is you and me. The inside work of hope is being willing to surrender. That's not giving up. Surrender is about letting go, and it's our interior work. I got to tell you, when I wake at three in the morning, or four if I'm really lucky and get an extra hour of sleep, I'm filled with anxiety and fear, and just not good. I got to say, I lay in my bed, And I've learned to say these words, welcome darkness, my old friend. And I welcome my sadness, my fear, my anxiety, and my worry. And then I say, hi, Nye. Hi, Nye. 
High nine means here I am. Here I am as I open my heart and my mind and my body to the creator. And I welcome all my fears, all my anxiety. And I breathe as deeply as I can, surrendering and letting go. And in that surrender and in that letting go, I have touched and tasted hope. Because it is in that place I'm reminded I'm not alone. Ted was right. Believe. Believe and hope. We are not alone. Somebody named Jesus said the same words. Lo, I will be with you to the close of the age. Perhaps that's all we need to know when we feel hopeless. We're not alone. Others have walked this before. We do not walk alone. God is indeed with us as we choose to step in hope. May you know that. May you be held by that as you and I are lifted to walk anew. Thanks be to God. Choose hope as you journey. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.